to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Then behind the glass, there's a Ah, uh, Yingling. Welcome back, my friends. Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast here on the range today. Just got done with a little practice session, a little workout session. Now enjoying a nice cold Yingling beverage as I talk to you guys. A little bit under the weather, so I apologize if I if I sound like crap. Um, just on the tail end of trying to get sick, fought it off as usual. Uh, I think I mentioned. Last episode, it's been a crazy busy year here, so it's been nice to have a little bit of a break and relax a little and shoot for myself a little and get back to kind of normal day-to-day operations around here, teaching some classes until match season gets crazy again in the fall. So we've got a couple, couple months of chill. We do have the Ipsic Nationals coming this summer. Just announced that this, uh, this week on the email list and website. So website's updated and registration's going to open, I think, tomorrow, tomorrow, next day. A little different format this year, and obviously a different time of year. So we've set it up to help those that are going to France have a little warm-up match before before we go. Instead of being in the fall, uh, with it being an off year and not being a qualifier match this year, you know, attendance probably would have been way down in the fall, uh, especially with it being a world shoot year and being not far after the world shoot, et cetera. So be a little bit smaller, a little different format, but uh, going to be a fun you know, challenging, typical Ipsic style match that we've put on here in the past. So check that out on the website if you're interested. I will certainly be there shooting. Uh, last couple of weeks had a couple of matches. We had the Area Six uh, USPSA Championship, and that did not go well, as you may have seen. I got disqualified for ading on a reload, so that's pretty embarrassing. But it's um, you know it took some time for some retrospective and put a lot of thought into it. Uh, you know, obviously, it happens. Everybody, everybody DQs, and I've certainly DQ'd before. But you know, this is uh, something that's happened before, and uh, it happened at the Nationals three or four years ago, uh, the Open Nationals in Utah. And it's actually uh, it's happened four times in in the last eighteen years. And so I've thought a lot about it. And I you know I was a little reluctant to talk about it, but I thought, yeah, what the hell? It's you know we're here to learn, and hopefully you guys can learn from it. Um, you know, rough, rough calculations on how many reloads I've done in the last 12 or 15 or 18 years is, is hard to, hard to rough out, but you know, it's multi-thousands, probably, probably not hundreds of thousands, but, but thousands for sure. And, uh, this has happened four times, uh, once in practice and three times in matches. You know, one of them I didn't get caught on. The RO was kind of out of position. I don't think he knew what happened. And then the other two, I, I did get caught on. So, you know, we're talking very small percentage, less than probably one 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 hundredth of one percent, if my math is right. But you know, the times it has happened has has been pretty costly at a, at a national championship where I was sitting in third place, and then area six just last week, which uh, was pretty early in the match, so I can't say how I was doing, but uh, but nonetheless, so I, I can't really explain you know exactly what happened uh, through voice. You'd have to. You'd have to see it. Maybe I'll do a video on it, on on it at some point. But it's not, you know, it's not. Uh, I know it sounds retarded to say this, but you know, the finger was was not is not on the trigger at the beginning of the reload. It's outside uh, to the right. I'm right-handed of the of the trigger guard. But as I turn to flip the gun, and, and you know, it's pretty violent flip and turn to to get the reload initiated. 
I basically, you know, almost throw the gun into my into my finger that's that's outside. So it's almost like that's kind of helping to turn the gun to get the reload started. And then you compound the problem with, you know, a super light trigger on a really heavy gun. Um, you know, this wouldn't happen with a Glock or something like that, for example. But nonetheless, it happens and or happened. So I looked at, I've looked at changing the way I, the way I reload the gun. And I'm, I've hopefully I've changed it, but it's been, you know, it's only been a week. And so I've been dry firing the hell out of it and working on the range. You know, a couple of things I noticed that it, it doesn't happen very often in practice. You know, once in practice, three times it matches. So what does that tell you? Well, number one, I don't, I don't practice a ton of live fire reloads in practice. I certainly do practice them, but uh, not a ton. And then I got to thinking, well, it's never happened in dry fire ever. So why in the hell is that? And kind of a dull moment, but 99.9% .9 of my dry fire practice all through the years has been two or three targets, uh, draw two rounds each, reload two rounds each. Well, the way I dry fire, if you've taken a class or you can probably do it yourself, you know, I drop the hammer on the first target and then just work the trigger on the remaining targets. So every time I go to do the reload, the hammer's already down. Well, that's why it's never happened to dry fire genius. So, you know, that, that came into, uh, came into my thoughts as well. So maybe I'll put a video on it together at some point, but, uh, certainly not proud of it, but shit happens and you got to move on. And I'm, you know, it's going to take, I don't know how long it takes to reverse 20 years of doing something. We talked uh, last episode about the outliers and the bounce and the 10,000 hours thing. So hopefully it doesn't take that long, but, uh, I'm, I'm getting it down. I shot a couple of stages in practice this week, and I was getting it about 80% of the time. Every now and again, I'd, I'd revert to the old style, and I'd catch myself doing it. But um, something I'm definitely going to continue to work on, and I'll, I'll have it dialed in before, before too long for sure. Uh, the following week, we had the Florida Section Championship down here at the Volusia Range in uh, Volusia County. So that was cool. I was uh, fortunate to win that match. I uh, had to shoot on Thursday with the staff. There was a schedule conflict. I couldn't get up there on the weekend. Uh, Manny Bragg put on the match, and he let me shoot through with the staff on Thursday, so I certainly appreciate him doing that. Uh, I shot decent. Didn't feel like I shot great, but uh, I shot decent. The stages were they were all uh, large, large field course-style stages, and the targets, I would say, were um, relatively easy. I mean, they're most for the most part open, open targets, but some good distance, though. The bays there are quite large, and I don't know the dimensions, but we've got pretty big bays here in Frostproof, and so if I say the bay's pretty big, bay's, the bay's pretty big. So something to take into consideration, you know, we're traveling to matches away from your home range, and I told a couple of my students that were going up to shoot that weekend, there was a ending position on this one particular stage, so you're, it was a, it was a forward forward-moving stage, so we were I don't know, midway down the bay or something at, at that point, and I'm doing the walkthrough, looking at this final position, and I'm looking at this target. I'm like, damn, that looks far away. Uh, so I actually went and paced it off, and it was 18 yards away from the ending position. So you just, you know, depending on what type of range you come from, you would think, well, if I've already run halfway down the bay, then surely this target isn't going to be that far. And it damn sure was. So, you know, something to keep in mind, especially when you're traveling away from your home base, you know, keep that in mind and don't be afraid to go out there and walk off targets. You know, I've, I've done it many times and it just kind of reminds me, like I shoot a lot of plates as uh, you've heard me talk about and the, the Bianchi drill is my favorite drill by far. And I've, God knows how many thousands of times I've shot that. I shot it twice today. 
so I know what it, air quote, feels like to shoot a 15-yard, 8-inch plate or a 20-yard or a 25-yard, 8-inch plate. You kind of know what the sight picture needs to look like. You know what the trigger pull needs to look like. So if you think about the A-zone, the width of the A-zone is smaller than the 8-inch plate. Uh, so I kind of equate that, and I'll just kind of give myself a little mental check. So I walk, you know, walked off that target. It was 18, I think, or something like that. You know, so I kind of reminded myself, right, dude, that's that's 18 yards away. You know, remember what that what that trigger pull feels like on the plate rack at 18 yards. Uh, so good idea to to keep in mind when you're traveling to matches to, you know, just halfway down the bay at it's at a, at a particular range might not be the same as halfway down the bay at your home range. Uh, so I shot that Thursday and then scored it up, holding up for the weekend. So that was cool to get back on the horse after my ridiculous AD and, and get a match win in there. And then this week, um, I've been hitting the practice range pretty hard. So I've, I actually sat down last weekend, spent some good amount of time mapping out a training program and a training schedule for the World Shoot. World Shoot's in August, end of August, last week, August, first week of September. So it's going to be here before we know it. Um, so I wrote up a, a new training regimen, which I haven't really put drills down on paper in a lot of years. I had a I had a regimen I used years and years ago when I was first started training real hard. But it's not the way I would do things now. I, I think I mentioned this before, but I did too many drills and not enough reps. You know, everything was mapped out to a T, but I would hit the range and there'd be 18 or, or 22 different drills on there, you know, this number of reps, this number of rounds, and I followed the thing to a T. And even if I was struggling with a drill, you know, I moved on. Like, well, that paper says the drill's over, so time to go on and move on to the next thing. So I think I did too much, uh, too many skill sets, not enough reps of the skill set. Uh, and I've remedied that, you know, years and years ago. I've been training differently, but not necessarily to a strict standard. So with the time allotted between now and then, you know, I actually wrote up some some solid training plans for um, some 300-round sessions, some 500-round sessions, figured out the days I could do them, and actually put it on the calendar. You know, everybody's schedule, mine included, with work and life and everything else, you know, can just get overwhelmed, and you end up losing time to do stuff. So if I don't, if I don't put it on the calendar, if it's not something that's a set schedule, that, hey, that's what I'm doing that day, I don't, and I don't give a shit whatever, whatever else comes along, that's the plan for that day. And obviously, I'm fortunate I work at a range, so it doesn't take me long to go out and today was a 300-round day. I, you know, from, from leaving, walking out of the office to walking back in the office and going back to work, I think it was an hour and a half, maybe two hours, to shoot 300 rounds. So that counts, you know, prepping the, prepping the range, loading the mags and, and everything. So it doesn't take long. So even if I'm teaching a class or it's a normal work day, I'm still able to fit that time in. And then some of the 500-round session days are a little bit more elaborate with some stage work and things like that. They're going to take some more time. Uh, so that might be a dedicated you know, dedicated day or a dedicated half day. But I'm, I'm happy, I'm motivated that I've you know, got a plan, got it down on paper, and, and uh, something I can work, work forward to and, and hopefully get better. It's um, you know, a couple, three months, and I'm going to put some time in and hopefully feel, feel confident going into the world shoot. I'm really looking forward to, to making a good show there, representing the country well. USA. Um, so I broke another Seymour yesterday. On that note, you know, you start running the guns hard and shit breaks. And, uh, man, I'm really not happy with these these Seymour RTSs. I've had, you know, I had two years of no problems 
everybody else in the world's having problems with them. Mine were solid. I'm, you know, I'm like, what the hell? All these, all these other people's problems, the things are fine. And then bam, they start breaking and it's been nonstop since. So there's a third one I've broke since, um, October or, or November of last year or September, right, right before the nationals, the open nationals last year. Uh, there's a third one I broke since then. So we'll see. I don't know. Send it back. Got a new one coming. And, um, I'm on the hunt for a better option out there, but I just haven't seen any other sites that are better, uh, that I like. So we will, uh, we will see, hopefully, hopefully hold up this one. The dot didn't go out as the others. It just went out of adjustment. In fact, it's the same gun that I shot at the Florida section match, uh, this weekend, this past weekend. So it ran fine. And then yesterday I ran it in a pretty hard practice or day before yesterday, I ran it a pretty hard practice session shooting a lot of plates. It was fine. And then yesterday I went out, shot, I was doing some stage work. Um, shot two stages, no problem. I had some, some, a lot of tight partials, some tough shots on there. Shot a, shot it again and had like four no shoots and they weren't edgers. It was like in the center of the no, you know, the no shoot was below the target and the shot was in the center of the no shoot. In fact, I'm looking at the target after the stage and I don't see any, I don't see the hits on there. I'm like, what the hell? I thought that was a pretty good shot. It was so far down in the no-shoot that I didn't even see it until I started looking around. Hey, what the hell is that? There's two A's in the no-shoot. So it had lost adjustment by a foot and a half or two feet and tried to re-zero and nothing. It was totally out of adjustment. I mean, I had it cranked as far as it would go uh, in the direction I needed up, and it was no better. So I don't know what I don't know what gave gave loose, but something quit on it, so... Not happy about that. I got uh, I got no ties to Seymour. I've, I've been happy with their product. I've used them for 15 years, um, but they're they're missing the boat on this one. Something I don't know what it is about about that new uh, the, the smaller the smaller dot or the smaller site. I don't know what it is about it, but they certainly don't have their R and D done because those things are junk. Uh, so that's all that's going on with me. Got a podcast question for you after a Yingling break. So this question came from Lou. So he says, I'm a firm believer in the fundamentals. I've heard you're also a strong proponent of the fundamentals. You don't say. He says, I'm, I'm having issues uh, gripping consistently, drawing fast and indexing to the first shot, then occasionally jerking the trigger on the first shot with my double action. Uh What's the Shannon Smith way and the method? Second, what's the his second question is what's the biggest flaw you see in your beginner to novice students and how to improve that? So pretty, pretty easy answer for me. But uh, I wrote a couple of thoughts down. So the, you know, the the grip, the draw, and the index are really dry fire uh, fixes, and you know, there's no like you you can't be a little bit pregnant. The grip's either right or it's wrong. There's nothing in between. And an incorrect grip uh, is going to throw off that index in that first shot. So it all stems from the grip. You know, in my classes, I teach that the foundation is grip, stance, and draw. And the most important part of that is the grip. Everything stems from the grip. Uh, you know, you've seen guys draw and, and get a first shot in, I don't know, sixes, sevens. I mean, I can do it in seven, no problem. I can do sixes occasionally. There's probably guys that can do better than that. Uh, that's not because they're having a beautiful sight picture and analyzing their sight picture before they pull the trigger. It's because they know 
with my given stance, give me my grip and give me my position, and the gun's going to go where I'm pointing, guaranteed. So that, that therefore then frees you up to work the trigger, and I call it firing at extension. So as soon as I reach that final firing position, the gun goes off instantly. It's not, it's not check the sights, then pull the trigger. It's not see where there are, see where the sights are on the target, then pull the trigger, especially double action or a, or a safe action like a Glock, where you have a longer pull, that trigger is getting worked in extension. So as I'm pressing the gun out, I'm starting to work the trigger with the intent of timing it out. So as soon as I reach that final firing position, the gun goes off instantly. And that all stems from the grip. If your grip is off, I don't know how to measure it, but if it's off a millimeter, you're going to miss a target firing at extension at pretty close range. Ten yards for sure, maybe six. Uh, it just depends on, on how much it's off. So the grip's got to be perfect. And we got to fix that in dry fire. It's just handling the gun. You know, when you pick up the gun and point it, it's got to be an extension of you. Wherever I, wherever I look and present the gun, that's where the gun goes. The sights are aligned. They're on target. It's ready to go. And that all comes from dry fire. So to fix that, I would work on reversing the process. So start from your extended position with a perfect grip on the gun, perfect side picture, good alignment, good stance, and then slowly come back. Yeah, you can do your reverse draw stroke if you want, but the more important thing is we're getting back to the holster without ever losing that grip and then leave the gun in the holster without taking your grip off, without taking your hand off, and then re-extend the gun and present out and see if that stayed consistent. Then back to the holster, never taking your hand off the gun. Then re-extend out, see if it's consistent. Back to the holster, do that a few times. And then try letting, the go, letting go of the gun but not moving your hand to like a hand relaxed position, just letting go of the gun, leaving it hovering right over, and then re-grab, present out again. And then do that a few times. Back to the holster, let go, but don't move your hand, re-grab, present out. So you kind of get a feel in the reverse process of what it's like. Then move to your start position, whether it's hands relaxed or if you're shooting steel, surrender or whatever. And then just, this is all 10, 20% speed. We're just working on getting the positions correct. Then from that start position, hands relaxed, now we're going back to the gun. You know, I teach the, the hitch draw, which again, I can't teach over the over verbal, but it's, for lack of a, a better term without seeing it, you're, I come from above the gun, I'm sinking, sinking down on the gun pretty firmly, and that's what establishes the good, consistent grip. That gets you high on the beaver tail, and very, very rarely uh, do I miss my grip with that, with that draw stroke. Uh, because it's it's giving you that time, and it's probably a tenth slower than like a scoop draw or something. But to me, it's more important to have that good, consistent grip, especially in something like USPSA. Steel Challenge, you know, I don't do that. I go for it a little more aggressively in steel because the draw is more important. Uh, but Steel Challenge is not. Uh, so try those drills. Hopefully they'll they'll work for you. Once you get on the, out on the range, you can try um, a natural point aim drill where you're, you know, looking at the target and then closing your eyes, drawing, present the gun, and then open your eyes and see where you're at on target. And you can even do that live fire. Obviously, be careful. It's nice to have a safety guy with you if you're shooting with your eyes closed. But I do that in my classes. You know, student picking a spot, looking at the target, close your eyes, draw, present the gun, and fire, freeze, hold the gun on target, open their eyes, and see what they got. And the purpose is teaching the student that if you have a good stance, a good grip, and a good presentation, you don't have to aim very much in the 10, 12, seven yard range. That's your, I call it a kinesthetic level of awareness or kinesthetic aiming. 
you know, your body position and your presentation are, are, are what's aiming the gun for you. And there's where you get your, your quick draws from. On your uh, second part of the question was jerking the double action first shot. If you guys didn't see or hear uh, Arik Levy's um, Firearms Nation Shooter Summit that he did last year, you can. I, I think it's worth it. I, I mean, Arik's a buddy of mine, but and I've got no no skin in the game, but I think he did a pretty good job with interviewing a bunch of guys around the industry, from the tactical world to the competition world, and shooting questions in general. Uh, Firearms Nation, I think, is the website. You can you can find it there. But one thing that, that struck me. So he asked a lot of these different guys the same questions, which did get kind of old if you listen to them back to back. But, but one of the things that I caught on to was a lot of them were talking about revolver shooting, and they, they've been shooting for a long time since they were kids, and back then everybody shot revolvers, and that's kind of where they got their start. And that's kind of where I got my start. I'd, I started shooting Steel Challenge with a revolver. But what struck me when, when the other guys were talking, I'd never really thought about it before, but that really teaches you patience on the trigger. You can't snatch the trigger on a revolver. It's, I don't know, 12 pounds and an inch and a half of travel. So you've got to be patient throughout that pull. And you've got to be, and you get comfortable with holding your sights throughout that pull. Um, I mean, I never shot the old flash pan black powder days, but the kind of the same thing there. From the time you pull the trigger till the time you get ignition, is a measurable amount of time. I don't know if it's a second, but it's it's a good amount of time. So you have to hold that gun on target while that ignition takes place. Same thing with the revolver. You have to hold that gun on target while that trigger pull is taking place because you know it's not going to go as soon as you decide, okay, now I'm going to pull the trigger. In my classes, when people are struggling with anticipation, I tell them to, to let the gun go off. Don't make the gun go off. And that's the problem that Lou's having. And it's, and it's amplified. I mean, it happens in single action. It happens in 1911s. But it's amplified like crazy when you're shooting something like a safe action Glock or, or a double action CZ or Tanfo or, or something. Because you have that weight, extra weight, and extra distance of travel, if you think that thing's going to go as soon as you start applying pressure, it's not. And it's really difficult not to move the gun off target while you're doing that. It's possible uh, to keep it on. But it's very difficult to not push it off. So you just have to develop that patience in that the, the process of pulling the trigger is the process of pulling the trigger. Uh, gets a little zenish, but I don't think of it in terms of I'm going to shoot the gun. I think of it in terms of I'm going to pull the trigger in the most correct manner for this target. You know, if it's a close target, I'm pulling it pretty aggressive. It's a dif- if it's a difficult target, I'm pulling it more carefully. And we get deeper into those techniques in, in our classes, but... The thing is, I, I would I would stress to Lou is think of it in those terms. Think of it as not I'm not trying to make the gun go off at this instant. I'm trying to work the trigger in the proper in the proper manner in this instant for whatever that target is. And you just have to be patient on the target as you're working through that trigger. Obviously, on our double action, a lot of times we're coming off the draw, so that goes back to our firing at extension and our natural point of aim. You know, with a proper draw stroke, the sights are relatively aligned and on target ish. So that then, again, frees us up to start working that trigger as we're presenting the gun out. And if it's a difficult target, maybe we stop halfway through. You know, again, back to the revolver days, we used to stage the triggers and the double action pull. Um, some DA guns, you can do that. Some, not so much. You, you know, it just kind of depends on your gun. Um, but if it's an easier target, you can definitely start to work the trigger 
as you're presenting the gun out, again, with the goal of the hammer falling right about the time you reach your full extension position. Uh, thanks for the question, Lou. I put a call out for some more questions to come in on my last podcast, and you all came through, so I've got a, a lot of them lined up here. We're going to wrap it up today, but I've got a lot, a lot of questions lined up to get to, but we can always use more, so be sure and hit me up. Uh, again, summer's pretty light for me. I'm starting to schedule some classes, so if you're interested, you can reach me on Facebook or through Universal's website or through my, uh, my website at Shannon Smith Shooting. I'll get more into my training session. I'm always learning, so I'm making some notes and picking up some some little tidbits from my my renewed training uh, regimen, and I'll be sure and cover some of that stuff. So hope you all have a good weekend. Hope you're out shooting somewhere. I'll see you on the range.